0: All right, let's, uh, let's focus on the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I think of Paul sitting in jail or house arrest, awaiting his outcome. And his mind was not on himself. His mind was on the church. So often, Lord, we see his writings were to those that he knew, those that he cherished, those that he had relationship with. But, Father, as we're reading this letter that he wrote to those at Colossae, Father, he had no relationship with them. He, he didn't plant this church. He was not involved with the uh, leadership of this church per se. And yet his heart went out to them. The heart of a shepherd. Wanting to make sure that the sheep did not stray. So this morning as we look at His purposefulness. His ministry. His suffering. And how did He move beyond that? Let us take heed. Let us learn from it in our own lives. And apply it diligently. Let your Spirit guide these words from Scripture for each person. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have sermon notes, by the way, does anybody need a Bible? We have Bibles we can pass out. Just raise your hand. I've got one right here. Um, And anybody else? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. They're really nice. They're like pseudo-leather, ESV. We all know what ESV stands for, right? God's approved version, so it's a little thing between my life group and I. Um, so, uh, as you turn, you could go ahead and turn Colossians one. That's where we're going to be, and as we look at it, we're going to uh, we're going to stand while we read this scripture. We don't often do that, so if you would like, please uh, once you have found it, go ahead and stand. I'm going to have it up on the screen. And you can listen as I recite God's message for us this morning. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body. That is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. struggling with all His energy, that He powerfully works within me. Amen? You may be seated. So this morning, you can take out your sermon notes and fill those in. Do fill in the blank, if you'd like. And uh, follow along with us. We're, we're going to be, uh, you can put a little, put your pinky finger, a little card in Luke 14. We're going to camp out there a little bit today, too. And we'll have some other cross-references. But we're finishing up chapter 1 today. In Colossians. And as we do so, I kind of, in looking at the message and looking at what was in front of me, we came up with this message title, Maladies, Ministries, and Motivation. Anybody have some maladies today? You like maladies? What is that? Money? What, what is a malady? We'll explain that in a little bit. Anybody have a ministry today? I hope so. Does anybody have motivation? Of course you do. That's why you're here. Thank you. Thank you for your motivation. Well, I want to give you just a real brief overview of what this might look like. um, Because we might have a little problem with with looking at that. So, your takeaway today is this idea of service with a smile. Service with a smile. How many of you that are, you know, mid-twenties, below, you've got a, a, a job It's a service-oriented job. Yes, Keith, I see that hand. It's a service-oriented job. And after about an hour and a half of your job, the concept of smiling at your act of service is just so foreign. You're saying, mid-20s down, forget you, Pastor. You know, that applies to me all over the place. Have you ever met the person that's smiling While they're serving you? And a difference that makes? So how do we do that? Would you rather be the person that's just grouse and rude? Or would you rather be the person that is able to smile? No matter what is going on with your act of service. That you can smile. How do we do that? Service with a smile. Well, I think that's a game changer. Right? Right? If we could learn to do that in our acts of service, whatever those are, that's a game changer. So I want that to be your takeaway today, is that we do need those game changers in our life. And you may be saying, well, I don't understand what a pastor help me understand. Where's your point of reference? Well, for some of you, this is a game changer right here. Right here. <laughs> right? Now you're tracking with me a little bit. This is a game changer. How many of you cannot smile until you've had your coffee? Wow. We'll have a special prayer service for you tonight. Uh, Maybe this. You know, I, I showed you guys this guy a little while ago, right? See, that's a game changer. Like, how could you be upset and then see that? But. If you feed that puppy what's up in the upper left-hand corner, you're going to get this, and this is a game-changer. Okay? Game-changer. Are you catching me? Are you seeing where we're going? Let's look at a couple other examples. Yeah, see? Now you're back to happy again. Right? You all have this smile on your face. But how many of you young parents, actually, all you young parents are over in the uh, fireside room right now. Alright, you're going to relate to this next one. That's right. For a baby, take away their bottle. That's a game changer. Forget baby. Take away my bottle. and That's a game changer, right? All right. How many of you, my best friend, just went with an electric car. And he rubbed it in my face that he can go over the... Everybody knows how much I hate the bridge tolls here. I hate the bridge tolls. And so he just made a purposeful effort to rub it in my face. Yeah, I'm going... And I'm like, yeah, good luck when you run out of juice two-thirds of the way across the bridge, buddy. Yeah, he went the whole electric car thing. Game changer, right? You get that preferred parking at all mall structures. Game changer, right? The, the government will subsidize you buying this car, they'll help you buy a car. Game changer. Speaking of government, game changer. That is not an endorsement. I'm just saying, it's a game changer. Alright, do we now have a good picture? Now we have a good picture. The Bible is a game changer, is it not? And if there's anything that should be putting a smile on our face day in, day out, as we're doing our acts of service, it should be Christ, amen? Oh my goodness, that was not a game changer, amen? Now I'm pandering, right? I'm not going to ask for it again. You guys give it to me how you feel the Spirit leading? Thank you. <laughs> the scriptures are a game changer. And so let's look and see how Paul demonstrates this in Colossians 1. So we're going to start out with this idea. Maladies. How do you rejoice in suffering? Paul is writing from prison. Now, he isn't necessarily locked into that dungeon like he and Silas were and then the earthquake and they're singing in prison. But he's got that one, right? Right? Bank that. But he's in house arrest. Now, how many of you have spent a week, a month, a year worrying about a future date? A future date that could spell doom for you? Paul knows what's coming. Paul knows that he's going to be martyred. For you and I, have we been rejoicing? With whatever that thing is coming on Thursday? Whatever that thing is, it's coming a week from now? A month from now? April 15th? Whatever? I've not met the person yet that rejoices who doesn't have a birthday on April 15th. How do you rejoice in suffering? Well, Paul gives us that understanding. Let's break this down as as he speaks to it. Let's look at verse 24 again. So Paul is suffering. He's in house arrest. And not to mention just the idea that he's under arrest and he's facing impending doom, impending death. But now he's concerned himself about a whole group of people he doesn't even know. And He's hurting over them. He's empathizing for them. He's sympathizing for them. He's guarding over them. He's shepherding them. And so He's compelled to write. And so in verse 24 He says, Now I what? What does He do? He rejoices. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. That's a hard one. For all of us. Think of your worst job you ever had. You got it? Just put it up there in your head. And think about what you projected to all those around you. As you were taking on that job. Day in, day out. Think about your lowest moment in life. Think about Being able to say, like Paul could say, I rejoice. I rejoice in my maladies. Those things that cause me suffering. Well, Paul would not be a very nice man if he didn't tell us the secret of doing that, but he does. So he is a nice man. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh i am filling up what is lacking in christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is what the church what is paul saying here well let's break it down the suffering was worthwhile because it served a purpose as we are serving brothers and sisters as we are doing what god has given to us to do are we rejoicing even if it's difficult? Even if it's causing a sacrifice? I love this statement, lean into it. Just lean into it. Have you ever been in, in such a wind that you could actually lean a little bit and it could hold you up? There was a day where you would laugh at that. Now we're like, oh no, go, go to Home Depot, get bored, board up the windows, you know, send the dogs to Florida, you know, whatever. is required, we hit the panic switch. There was a day when we'd just lean into it. And we would smile. I mean, it's because we got hit by a palm frum in the face and we realized, you know, don't be stupid out there. But Paul says, even if I get hit, I'm going to rejoice. Why? How? Because, number one, it served a purpose. What was the purpose? The suffering was worthwhile because it helped others. It helped others. Brothers, sisters, would you agree with me that there is enough suffering to go around for every person on this planet tenfold? And you have carried all that suffering probably to one degree or another. We have more people on medication. We have more people seeking mental health support. We have more people feeling more and more desperate without answers and it is getting worse and much of the reason it's getting worse is because we don't seek that which is the right answer or here it is we become so much about our malady that our malady becomes us have you met this person you see this person becomes involuntarily so absorbed in their problems that they can't move beyond them. They actually begin to define them. They can't see beyond them. They can't react beyond them. They can't live beyond them. They are a prisoner to those. Mark this down. This one's free. Galatians 5 1. You were meant for freedom. Therefore, stop submitting yourself. Those that know Jesus Christ, those that have tasted of that freedom, stop submitting yourself to the bondage of sin that you once knew. You see, Paul could be upset. Paul could be stripped of any joy. Paul could say, I keep serving you, God, and I keep ending up in jail, and this is now a game changer. I'm going to die. So what's the point? Why don't we just expedite it? Excuse me, Cornelius, could you just go have court with Nero and ask him to speed up this thing? Let's just get it over with. That wasn't Paul's attitude at all, was it? With every breathing moment, Paul was concerned with whom? Himself or others? Others. Can I encourage you today? You want to be able to rejoice in your suffering. Stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about others. Because if you turn on daytime TV or read any of the modern books that are out there, they're going to keep telling you, you finish this sentence for me. You ready? Let me just, it's my hypothesis, but let's just do a truth check. Before you take care of anybody else, you got to what? Now, if I asked you what our second uh, point was on our doctrinal statement, I don't think we could get that kind of a response. Now listen, I know that this is hard. Because many of us are suffering. And you have had horrible things happen to you. And difficult things happen to you. But I'm telling you, the people that I see smile and rejoice like Paul through the suffering, they take that and they lay it before the Lord. It's not, please don't hear that I'm saying your suffering is not important, your issues are not important. That is not why... That is not why we have the Word of God. That does not have anything to do with Christ's work on the cross. Christ's work on the, on the cross, according to Galatians 5.1, was so that you would have freedom from those things. If there isn't an acknowledgement that we have challenges, we have those difficulties, then Christ died for nothing, right? But Christ did die. Christ died that you might have freedom. I might have freedom So these are very serious issues but the process is just like Paul I'm just going to turn them over to Christ and let him do what he will do with them. In the midst of it I'm going to keep focusing on serving others because the prison that will happen for me will not be the one I'm stuck in with four walls. The prison that will happen to me if I focus on my suffering my maladies is going to be here and here. How did he rejoice in the midst of suffering? Because suffering was worthwhile because it helped others. Third, the suffering was worthwhile because it mimicked Christ. We see over and over, Christ say that you cannot be my disciple unless you what? Unless you follow me. Unless you live like the Son of Man lives, you can't be my disciple. John tells us, Peter tells us, Paul tells us, that we are to live as an example of who Christ was. And yet we have so many preachers that want to tell you that suffering serves no purpose. I think they took the book of 1 Peter and just threw it out of their Bible. Because the reality is, you can pretend all you want, you can do Emperor's New Clothes, I don't care what it looks like, the reality is, we suffer, do we not? And to sit here and pretend that there's no suffering, and I'm just going to hold a happy thought, that's not what we're preaching today. We're preaching the power of Christ to move you beyond your suffering in the midst of the suffering. Amen? So that we can rejoice. But you can't move past suffering truly if you just pretend it's not there. But it's chasing you every day. And it's seeking to devour you. Christ suffered. Finish this sentence for me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. I'll help you out there, Lord. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. You see, suffering is a reality. Our question today is, how do you rejoice in the midst of the suffering? What's a game changer? A game changer is that suffering is worthwhile when what? When it serves a purpose, when it helps others, and when you mimic Christ. What joy. We think about the apostles when they were all martyred. Even Peter, historically, was recorded as saying, we don't have it in Scripture, but in in history, in Provenance, we have it said that he has to be crucified, what? Upside down. Because he wasn't worthy to be crucified the same way as his master. But yet, all of them still rejoiced that they were able to be martyred for the cause of Christ. There's a power in that, my friends, that goes far beyond. So let's keep looking at what game-changers we're talking about. That's maladies, and that's what stood out to me at the very beginning, is Paul saying, hey, I'm suffering. I'm going through difficult things, but here's why. I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. I'm suffering for you, the church. And because of that, if anything good comes of that, it's worth it. It's worth it. Ministry. How do you serve according to your calling? Great question. I'm glad you asked it. Let's look at at verse 25 through 27. Turn there with me, if you will. And it says this. Now, I'm going to back it up a little bit to give context here. Uh, Paul says, you know, that uh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, that is the church, right? And then... It's not a period, it's a comma. it's a continual thought. And he says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul is speaking about his ministry. Let's look at it. Let's break it down. Number one, we need to understand that ministry is serving. It's serving. What is ministry not? <clears throat> well, we have a mindset today that ministry is volunteering. We are currently in nomination season here at Concord Bible Church, and we have different boards or different opportunities to uh, uh, function and organize as, as to how we'll conduct and administrate our ministries. And that takes some leadership on different levels. Let me encourage you that what God is calling you to serve in, we are trying to, as those who nominate, prayerfully seek how you are gifted and how God may use you for this local body. Nowhere in that explanation did I use the word Volunteer. That is a secular term. And it intimates conditional service. Right? I'll go if it, I got time. I'll, I'll put in, you know, I'm a volunteer, so what, what can they expect of me? I can, I, I'm only going to put in this much. That's, that's reasonable in my mind. Is that the kingdom you want to be part of? The kingdom of nominal effort. <laughs> Woo! Fly that flag high. No! So can we please just... Let's get that word when it comes to service. Your service to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Then be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world. Be holy for this is your spiritual act of worship. It's what defines how you serve God. It's what moves you from point A to point B to point C, how you grow in your love and your understanding, your effectiveness of serving God. Let me ask you a real quick question. When you serve the church or anybody else, are you serving man or are you serving God? Uh, you don't want to answer that question, do you? You're like, wait a minute, that's like a trick question. In a pragmatic way, yes, you are serving man. Christ said of himself, I came to serve and to heal the what? The perfected and the beautiful people. No, I got a little off focus there. The point is that he came to serve those that were sick. Right? He came to serve mankind. Right? And he talks about the humility of that. But what did he always say? I am about my father's business. That I am doing this to please the father. And this is one of those beautiful case and points where we can look at this and we can say, this is what God has for us. This is how we look at this. So, we're not volunteers, we're fat servants. Like, wait a minute, Pastor Jeremy, I'm, I'm on the paleo. I'm, I start paleo today, by the way. I'm, I'm back on again. And um, you're like, I thought our whole society, I thought it was, you know, the Daniel diet says don't be fat as a Christian. Well, this is what we call a teaser. All right, let's move on. Second point under ministry. We need to understand what calling to ministry looks like, right? Paul used this word calling, that God called him, Christ called him into this ministry. You're like, well, wait a minute. I uh, I've been asked to serve in a wana. I don't know that God really like is that focused about a wana and me listening to some verses. I mean, come on. That's not like Paul, an apostle. And I just encourage you, think about the times where Christ. Magnifies the humble in his ministry, the servants in his ministry, the least of these in his ministry. Those that would reach out. Remember the disciples? Hey, kids, come on. You're bothering us. Get out of here. And Jesus says, What? Bring the kids. Unless you have the faith of what? A child. You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is one of those moments, my friends, when you are seeking that calling of what God desires for you to do and serve. I would encourage you, read through chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. If you know the Lord Jesus, He has given you a gifting. And it may be something that comes and goes. This is my, I don't have a lot of time to talk about gifting, but it, it may come and go. All we know is that there is something tangible for you to help the body with. And the Spirit of God, not your own natural tendencies, but the Spirit of God will use you to serve the body and strengthen the body. Thumb through 1 Corinthians 12 and see how all that plays out if you're looking to figure out, how am I called to ministry? What does that look like? Well, let me give you this point. Number one, called by God, affirmed by men. Acts 6 talks about it. That the apostles were were busy teaching, they were busy in prayer, they were busy in In um, kind of trying to develop the church. And yet there were desperate needs by the people. And think about the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people. If we had thousands of people show up here. And we were doing taco bar with the adult ministry. Which we are today. We'd have to have a fishes and loaves reenactment on the Mexican level. Okay? Okay. That Jesus is going to have to do something that goes way beyond. Think about how difficult that was for those apostles. And so what did they do? They did just what, what God commanded Moses or Jethro spoke to Moses about. you got to get some help! And so read through the Acts 6 and see how they did it. See how they were called. How they were affirmed by men. The nominating committee here prays over what God wants us to do over the coming year. And then we start praying about based off of giftedness, who is it that would fit that whole, that need, that act of service well? And as we pray about it, and as a collective group, we see who the Lord brings to our minds. And then we propose that to an individual, and we say, would you be willing to serve in this capacity? And and we'll tell you how, what that looks like and, and what the expectations are. But we want you to pray about it. We want to know that you know that God is going to fulfill you in that ministry and carry you through that ministry. And if that individual comes back and says, I believe God would have me serve in that capacity, not as a volunteer, but as a servant, right? Then on November 22nd, we might all just happen to come here hypothetically. And affirm through voting that God is working in that person to serve in that capacity. Do you get it? That's kind of how we choose to do it. But let me just encourage you. Don't move into a ministry or an act of service outside of God's will. You're going to be stumbling around. You're going to get frustrated. Others are going to get frustrated. Find your sweet spot of service. We need to understand how to effectively carry out our ministry. How do we do that? Well, here's your fat thing. You need to be faithful to serve. You need to be available to serve. And you need to be teachable in serving. Alright, this is an old, old uh, stylistic leadership thing that's floated around the church for a long time. Much of the time when we have a challenge with service, with ministry... It's because somebody has dropped the ball and they're not, they're not faithful. Why are they dropping the ball? Because we are in a constant barrage, my friends. Trust me, I get it. You probably sit there thinking, the pastor has no idea how busy my life is. You're right. I don't, I don't, I don't know how busy your life is. But Christ does. And that's why if you look through Luke 14, we're not going to have time to get into it. But I encourage you, go to Luke 14 and listen to the words of Christ and his expectations. He tells a parable about the banquet. He says, go! Invite these people to come to the banquet. And this is what happens. People tell him, uh, I, I, I got this thing going on. I can't come. And then the next, uh, no, I, I've got a field i got to plow. I'm too busy. I, I can't make it. And then they ask another person, "What? Eh, I, I got, you know, Star Wars is coming out on the 18th. i got to work on my costume. I can't, I'm just... I don't want to overcommit, you know. Don't picture me in a Star Wars outfit. You're all doing it right now. Stop it. Knock it off. I hear the laughter. No, no, don't do it. What does it say in Luke 14? It says that the master became very angry. Can I just encourage you without me? digging and prying, just in a general sense. Everything under the sun is trying to compete for your time. But we will stand before the Lord and on that day He will say, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, I was pretty busy. Well, I had a family. That one's the really touchy one. I've got a family, I can't you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do the other. Well, I had bills. You understand? I've got all these bills and I've gotta I've gotta work and it's getting harder and harder. More and more difficult, my friends, especially in Northern California, in the Bay Area, to be able to not work so hard that you're exhausted. Not work so hard that you have time for family. And for faith. Trust me, as your pastor, I get it. So whatever we present to people, we are going to try to be reasonable. But our desire to present acts of service to people is so that when you are standing before the Lord on that day, you'll be able to offer Him something. And just like Paul, as he reflects and he talks about why he's able to rejoice Being able to serve others in the church body, the body of Christ, is invaluable. Is invaluable. Let's move on. Last motivation. How can we get involved and stay involved? Verses 28 and 29. This is fantastic. I'm going to look behind me. What is the second word up on our value statement? And if you look in your bulletin, you'll see the corresponding statement that we have for each one of these words. And I think the Scripture is there as well. Our Scripture for equip comes from this. And so listen, verse 28-29. It says, Him we proclaim. Now this is his ministry. This is Paul's ministry. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may... Here you go. We may present everyone mature in Christ wow, that's that's a big goal. That is like a lofty goal. He didn't say like, hey, 75%, we're killing it compared to those guys down, down you know, in Damascus. But he says, all! Oh, our goal is all! And to present them, what? You know, see average. You know, a few things. A little bit of understanding. They can sing... Awesome God, even the second verse, right? With wisdom and maturity. And then what does he say? Oh, oh, this one hurts. Okay, you ready? For this I toil. How many of you used the word toil this past week? Raise your hand. But Nice. How many of you have toiled this past week? Raise your hand. Yeah. That's like one of those no-no words in my vocabulary. I just do not like the word toil. Because it just, it is not a positive word at all. That's like a sweat word. I'm just kind of, whoa. I mean, think about the job that you work at. And think about the person who toils and the person who doesn't toil. Right? And usually when you're at a job and you find that guy that really toils or that gal that really toils, and it's a union job, somebody takes that person out to lunch. And kneecap. No, it doesn't kneecap. No. Just tells them, you know, hey, you need to slow it down, buddy. Because there's a groupthink going on here. And you're raising the bar too hard. How many of you remember the name of the person that was that person in your your school that set the bell curve. Right? They just toiled way too hard. And they're messing it up for everybody else. Paul says for this purpose, his ministry is to toil to work hard so that what? He might be able to present you mature in Christ. So that when you stand before the Lord on that day, you're going to have something. You're not going to stand, oh, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know you expected me to, I, Jesus loves me, I know that song. And that's great. Folks, there's a difference between just participating, (laughs) I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. It's the difference between the participation trophy and a real trophy. See, the Spirit's working. Know what your service is. 1 Corinthians 12 is going to help you with this motivation. Don't get motivated. And you know that person like, Oh, look, they're doing this. They sign up for everything. Like every once in a while, we'll have a ministry fair. And somebody comes through, and they'll sign up for everything. Do you know it's that person that we don't want serving in anything before we sit down and talk with them? Right? The motivation is awesome, but it's like, it's like a... What do they call that? Like a, a, a neutron, the, the X molecule that's just bouncing everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's scary if it hits things. Know what your service is before you start serving. Know what it is that God's called you to do. But boy, you've got to have the motivation. So what's next? Serving God means to be driven to help others to succeed. That's the key. It's got to be about others. Right? Have you ever tasted the joy of somebody coming to you and sharing with you. And by the way, it doesn't have to be some big formal ministry. I I did a wedding down in in Southern California about three weeks ago. And uh, I came across a a friend of mine from my former church, a lot of people from my former church at, 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 uh, at this wedding. And it was towards the end of the night, all the ties were loosened, people had been dancing, singing a lot of journey songs and um, you know, and everything's winding down and you know, the the food people are packing up and, and so you're kinda of saying your goodbyes and this and that and, and so I'm saying goodbye to this one guy that I've mentored for years and, and this other guy Ryan walks up. Ryan's just a brute man. This guy. This guy should be a poster. He's just first of all, he's got that hipster beard and and then he's got sleeves, you know, that that are just rock and, and he's a fireman and he's just this incredibly strong. I shook his hand and I nearly just melted because he's just so strong. Just a great guy. And I've not met too many that are more passionate about their love for the Lord than this guy, Ryan. And honestly, I didn't remember this moment, but he he came up to tell me, look, I was having a really difficult time and you took the time to sit down and talk with me, encourage me, and then Several days later, you didn't just stop with that. You came and you gave me this picture. It's this beautiful picture that my wife took when we went through the Vatican Museum of a statue of Jesus holding a lamb. And he said, I've thought of you every single day because that hangs next to my desk. And I think about the the message you gave me with that picture. And it encourages me every day. And you need to know that. I wasn't there to listen to Ryan's exhortations. I was there to perform a wedding. And that little bit of time I spent with Ryan was not on my ministry radar. Ryan was a a 32-year-old man when we had that conversation. I was doing youth ministry. You never know how God's going to use you, but serving God means to be driven to help others succeed. And when you receive that kind of affirmation and confirmation There's your motivation. Number one, your motivation comes because God did it for you. But then He empowers you to do it. And then when you see God work through you, there's nothing that matches it. There's nothing that matches it. Last point. You've got to be motivated by God. Brothers and sisters, we want to get to the point that Paul was at where he could rejoice in his sufferings that no matter what malady came upon him, he could still rejoice. We see his answer to that. It was about serving the church. It didn't matter what he was suffering through, that the concept, the idea, the principle, the effectiveness, the practice of serving the church to help them erased the suffering. So he could rejoice. Number two, Paul knew his ministry. He knew what it was about. It was about preaching the gospel. It was about preaching the message to the Gentiles. And it was about seeing them come under the influence of the Word of God and their lives be transformationally changed and then doing everything within His strength. Everything within His strength. And by the power of God. Did you catch that at the end of verse 29? I didn't read that, but I'll just just quote it. That He toils and He works for all of this by His own power. No, it says by His power that He works through me. And this is our concluding point. If we want to be effective in our ministry, then we've got to find motivation. Motivation comes from the Lord Jesus. Because there's days where you're not going to be motivated to serve. There's just going to be days where you're not motivated to serve. And so what do you do on that day? You say, your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. And on those days when I've said those words, my motivation changed. Much more than a cup of coffee could ever affect me. You see, God working through me is a game changer. God working through you is a game changer. Let me close in prayer, and then Christy has just a few words for you Um, to share about what's happening here this week, and we'll dismiss. Lord, bless our time as we move out from here this week. Let the Word dwell in us richly. Move us to understand how we can move beyond our suffering, how we can find our ministry and our serving in an appropriate way that You want us to serve in, and how we can stay motivated in doing so. Lord, I pray over the offering this morning as your body, your saints have come and are giving from their hearts as an act of worship. I pray, Father God, that you give them great joy in doing so. And thank you for upholding this local body. To you be the glory. Amen.